The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own. We've learned that. Some of the ways that we've been blessed through this have been incredible. But the thing we're trying to learn is it's not about us. You have to stop looking inward. It's one of the hardest things to do. But you have to start taking a look forward. Welcome to First Person, where we are about to hear the story of God's grace and healing for a man who suffered a terrible accident. John Abkiss and his wife Julie will both join us in a few moments to tell their miraculous story. I'm Wayne Shepherd. If you are new to First Person, our goal is to meet people from all walks of life who have surrendered their life to Christ and have a calling to serve Him. As I always say, some of the names you may recognize and some you may not, but all have an important story to be told. You can learn more about us at firstpersoninterview.com where there's additional information about our guests, there's an archive of past interviews, and a schedule of what's ahead each week. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. John Abkiss and his wife Julie and their adult children were on vacation in Mexico when John was taken to the bottom of the ocean by a violent wave. His injuries were extensive, and it's a miracle he lived. They've told the story in their book titled Get Up and Walk. John and Julie came to our first-person studio recently to tell the story of God's amazing grace in their lives. It had been a tough year. We, uh, my, Our daughter um, was uh, had gone through some pregnancy issues. She couldn't have children, so they were... We were trying to figure out what adoption was. We had just gone through a failed private adoption, and we just had gone to uh, Cabo, and it just was our place to go. And we'd been there for you know, probably over a dozen years. Our family had been going down there. So we actually extended this day. We said, we just need some more time to decompress. Okay. So we extended our stay, and uh, that's really what happened. And our, our daughter-in-law was pregnant. All right. Your wife, Julie, is sitting here with us as well. Um, the whole family went to Cabo? Yes. Um, John and I, our two children, Luke and Jennifer, and Jennifer's husband, Nathan, and Luke's wife, Kirsten. Okay. So, Julie, what happened that day, that fateful day? It was a it was a typical day for us in Cabo. We got up, had breakfast. Um, the kids were eager to get into the water, and so they got their swimming suits on, and John and I followed shortly thereafter. And Kirsten, being pregnant, wasn't going to—she just wasn't— in a place at that moment where she wanted to get into the water. Mm -hmm. So she and I sat on the beach and watched John and Luke and Jennifer and Nathan play in the water, which we'd done literally hundreds of times Mm -hmm. before. And so they they were doing what they do, body surfing. And I promise you, as soon as I said, Kirsten, every time a wave rushes over them, I count the heads. And Kirsten said, I do the same thing. I no more than said that. And I looked over and John didn't come up. I didn't, there were only, he wasn't there. And I said to Kirsten, Kirsten, John's down. And so we ran to the, to where the kids, which was like maybe 10 yards away from where we were. So was it a rough surf, John? You were an avid swimmer, right? Uh, Avid swimmer. And um, it was a rough surf. Uh, we may, in retrospect shouldn't have gone out probably, but we'd just done it so many times. Mm-hmm. And the kids were about probably, I don't know, 
maybe 50 yards out further than I was. And so this wave came in, and what happened was we rode it in. And then when I was back closer to the beach, somehow or another, we'd never seen it before, but never turn your back to the ocean. That's kind of not a good thing to do. But I stood up, a wave crested between me and the kids, and it hit me right in the back. And, and you, it, you remember this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember as it was yesterday. Uh, it was a wave came and hit me right in the back. It drove me down into the, you know, right into the bottom of the ocean. You know, I've learned later that I had a little about, a, you know, about an inch gash in my head. I had a crack in my skull. The left side of my face caved in. But weren't you knocked out? Um, yes, but actually I was killed because what happened was I went there and I remember that as if it was yesterday. And then, Wayne, what I remember is seeing this brilliant, bright light. Really? Oh, and it was thought, I thought, this is great. I'm a Christian. I mean, this is heaven. I mean, I've read all the books. I've seen them all, right? But I didn't see Jesus. And I thought, this is really kind of disappointing. I mean, did I miss it? But I, I mean, all of that mental was going on. I remember it just so clearly. Yeah. And then I hear my daughter's voice saying, Daddy, it's going to be okay. The kids knew that he'd been knocked out. Mm-hmm. And so they all three went to went to grab him and I was relieved because they they had him in their arm he was like in the fetal position floating and then another wave came through and they lost him oh oh my goodness he's almost bouncing on the waves mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. i'm already s- looking at this thinking I'm going to now watch my husband float out to sea. I'll never see him again. So then when I watched my kids go after him, now I'm frightened that I'm going to lose my entire family. Mm-hmm. To this day, well, I do know because it's God's intervention. I could say I don't know how, but I do know how. So John's 15 yards from them, and they go under the water. And lo and behold, when they come up, they have him again. So... That's when they brought him back to the shore. So there was that. I know you don't and remember. You're, you're, yeah, you're out this that. whole time. Yeah, I'm out. I um, From the time that my, I heard my daughter saying, Daddy, it's going to be okay, the next memory I have is in Methodist Hospital in Omaha. Omaha? But this happened in Cabo. Correct. I was out then, and I got, I mean, Julia knows the story better than I do because she was there, but I got to the hospital in Mexico. There's a whole series of miracles about that, but I was literally out. The surgery happened in Mexico, which is another miracle. And I'm in an induced coma. And I don't remember anything waiting until I get back to Omaha, Nebraska in early January. All right. So you're in Mexico. We are in Mexico. Your husband is critically, I want to say ill, but he says gone. Right. But at that point, we don't know what, what his injuries are. So I thought he had drowned. Jennifer started to do CPR on him. And mind you, at this point in time, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, I think. And we're the only people on the beach. And our daughter's a nurse. So she began to do CPR on him. And our son, Luke, laid down next to him and just cried and said, I serve a God of get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that my dad would get up and walk. So that was going on as Jennifer's doing CPR. I'm obviously pleading for my husband, but I'm also the mom. And so I'm feeling very badly 
for my daughter who has who's trying to revive her yeah. dad. I'm sure she's a pro, but is she calm while she's... She was calm. Wow. She was calm. So that you've got all of those emotions going on. Well, at this point now, there's a crowd that came around. And fortunately, two of the people that came, one was a, a, a emergency first responder, and the other was a doctor as well. So they... Do they speak English? Uh, yes. <laughs> they spoke English. And where these people came from, Wayne, I have no idea. It's like God reigned people <laughs> because the exact people that we needed were right there. So they were able to help Jennifer with the CPR because she'd already crushed his ribs to try to revive him. Well, that had gone on for 15 minutes and she was exhausted. But she wasn't going to give up. So they came in and were helping for the, the next couple of minutes with the CPR. So that was going on. But now I told you about the crowd, a woman screaming that this man is dead, this man is dead, and another man saying, oh, he, they should just give up on him. He's oh, going to die. And oh. so I had to remove myself because oh, I couldn't. Of course. I, I took some steps away. I had lost my mom just in that previous, almost a year ago to that date. And so I had a discussion with God. And I said, Lord, honestly, you took my mom a year ago, and now you're going to take my husband and make me a widow. I was, I was not happy. And I had to make a conscious choice. It's like, okay, Lord, if it's if you allow this to happen, then it's just going to be you and me, and you're going to have to carry me because I will not have the strength. And I had to ask myself, Julie, you've been saying for years that Jesus is enough. Is he? Is he enough? And at that point in time, it was a, it was a changing point for me because I had to decide, yes, Jesus, you're going to be enough. I know that I'm laying there on the beach, Wayne, and... Um I know there's just a miracle start to happen. Of course, I don't remember everything. I don't remember anything. Yeah. Miracle number one. Yeah, miracle number one. Your, your was, daughter's a nurse. Yes. Finding me in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Daughter's a nurse. A, a doctor shows up. And they have a stethoscope. <laughs> who brings a stethoscope to a beach? I mean, you know, who just, just who does that? Yeah. Then um, after about 12 or 15 minutes, I know that at least I start getting a pulse back. So, And then I start at least having low breath and all that stuff. So they get me up to the front of the hotel. But what's interesting, nobody knows here I have a broken neck. Oh. So they basically right. stick me on a surfboard. So you're conscious at this no, point? No. 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 Uh, uh, but no. they stick me on a surfboard and they take me up to the front of the hotel just bouncing up and down on this surfboard. With a broken with neck. With a broken neck oh. in Mexico. <laughs> I thought he'd, he drowned. Uh-huh. Sure. But I I had no clue that he yeah. had other injuries. So was further damage done by that? Uh, no. Well, no, because... Uh, it, it wound up being what they call uh, central core syndrome. My uh, spinal cord never got severed. It just got it just got kind of pinched. Okay. So there could have been more damage. I mean, who knows? I mean, because okay. there's some lasting damage now. But it's just interesting that, yeah. you know, when I talk about the series of miracles, um, my son-in-law's dad wrote down on a three-by-five card in very small print on both sides the miracles that had to happen in order. For us to be able to even get back to Omaha through everything. So, John and Julie Abkiss will continue to tell their miraculous story coming up in a moment on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere 
who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. We continue now with the account of John and Julie Abkus. After his swimming accident and surgeries, we left John in a hospital in Mexico, and the story of God providing a medical flight back to Omaha at a fraction of what it should have cost is a miracle in itself. You can read about it in John's book. But let's pick it up once he's back in the U.S. in a hospital with a long, uncertain rehabilitation road ahead of him. So I wake up, and uh, I've got tubes going everywhere, and... I can't move. I'm a quadriplegic. I mean, I can't move. I can't move my arms or legs. I can blink, and I can move my mouth, but I have a trach in and all this stuff, and I just look up, and there's my family. There's there's no way to explain the emotions. It's so weird, oh, yeah. I mean, fear, anger, anxiety, depression, take all of them, because the problem is your mind is sharp. Your body just can't move. And I just remember then, I said, okay— a lot of thoughts went through my mind quickly, but bottom line there, Wayne, was I just claimed the power of the name of Jesus because I didn't know verses. Like, you know, they didn't come to my mind. I didn't start singing songs. I just simply claimed the power of the name of Jesus. In you know, uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, have <laughs> taken on a whole new meaning to me. There is power in the name of Jesus above the earth, on the earth, and boy, have I learned under the earth. But you had that stored up. Oh, yeah. I, which is an important lesson for all of us, isn't it? Yes. And please, if, you, uh, if all you have is Christ, it's enough. I've learned that firsthand. What, what are you facing at that point? What, what are they telling you? Um, they're telling me that because uh, I'm kind of drifting in and out of this coma. This, uh, so they're starting to bring me out. And I remember uh, I get down to the step-down unit because that's really the first time I have any real solid memories is getting down to the step-down unit out of ICU. And I still can't quite figure out what's going on. I mean, I knew what happened, but I remember um, feeling extremely sorry for myself. It's a very dangerous place to be. Pity in comparison is a very dangerous place to be. There was a therapist there that looked at me and said, do you want to walk? And I just wanted to look at him and say, well, you idiot. I mean, you know, (laughs) duh. But he actually grabbed me and forced me out of the bed, but made me walk, and I started at least hobbling in his arms. And it's at that moment that I realized that you have to win the spiritual battle. If you don't win that first, there's no physical battle that you're ever going to win. You've got to take this on the spiritual plane first, because had he, his name was Ted, had he not done that, but I have just wallowed in pity. Mm. But I looked at his eyes, and he had tears in his eyes. And I remember just thinking, this man cares enough about me to do this. So if he cares enough about me, maybe I should. And that was one of the moments that I decided that this isn't going to beat me. I mean, and this is where I was still slipping in and out, but I just remember going in and just just claiming the power of the name of Jesus. We're still in the first couple of weeks of this whole oh, accident, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're we got a long ways to go yet. We're still in a couple of weeks of this, so 
I'm in step down in Methodist. And interesting thing there is things started to kind of happen quickly. And uh, people were kind of wondering what was going on because I was starting to at least be more cognizant. I started to get tubes out and mm-hmm. things started to fall out. And, you know, it was kind of being fun. <laughs> And then they were starting to make plans for me to get to a physical therapy place. I was getting well enough at step down at Methodist to be able to now think about the next phase of my okay. care. So he's going to survive at this point. You, it, he's going every to, sign is he's going to make he's it. He's going to survive whether or not he'll be a quadriplegic. That was the unknown. When he was first arriving at Methodist, I sat down with our, with our kids and I said, I don't know when Dad wakes up, what what he his state is going to be. I looked at Jennifer and and I said, he may be angry that you saved his life, and we need to be prepared for that. And I so we began to pray right at that time that when John woke up, he wouldn't be angry that we saved his life, and also Wayne. Whenever you have a crisis like this, your world becomes very small and self-centered. And I was starting to see that happening with us. That's, that's all we talked about was John's accident, and we're three weeks into this, and it's draining. And I said to the kids, you know what? We had a prayer life before the accident. We need to be intentional about meeting other people in their the waiting room the hospital is filled with hurting people we aren't the only ones there so let's not lose sight of what god might have for us even in this time because i think if anyone's listening and in the in the middle of a crisis be careful that you don't let your world get so small good word what i learned is fear anger and anxiety are from the pit of hell as soon as one of those three enters your world, you have got to take it on on your knees. Because as soon as you even let that into your heart or into your mind, you've lost. Make it a drive-through. Don't make it a sit-down. I mean, you're going to have them. That's what happens. But you've got to be able to fight those battles yeah. because those three um, throughout the next part of this, I mean, I get down to this physical therapy facility in Lincoln and again, I think I can move one toe or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. move a toe. I'm really excited about that, right? I can move a toe. We're really having a good time here. And just progressing, they knew how to challenge me, knew how to do things. And at that point, though, there were days and even nights. The nights were long. I'll just have to say the nights were long because my family were rock stars. They would come to the, they'd come to the hospital and stay with me. They would come to the care facility. I mean, you know, the church helped us with a place to stay. I mean, Kirsten and Nathan helped us with our kids. I mean, they would come up almost every week. I mean, it was just great. I mean, they were just rock stars. But the point is, I didn't want to be alone. Okay. And Julie, you're a caretaker at this point while he's in yeah. rehab. And what, in what way did people come alongside you and you draw strength from them? I'd have to say that what I wanted more than anything was normal. So what brought me strength was seeing people that I was familiar with. Um, Our dear friends, Dan and Susie Norton, we would go to a restaurant every Monday to to have dinner with them. Well, so every Monday night, they brought dinner to to the hospital 
So that was normal to me, so, even though the atmosphere was different. Yeah. So just being treated normal. Yes. Yeah, it's Monday night. Yeah. Oh, it's Monday night. Okay, well, we'll get dinner at the Wave, and Dan and Susie will be here, and then we have a Sunday night group that we get together with. Well, they drove from Omaha every Sunday night, brought snacks and food. So we that normal. Wayne, I found myself looking forward to Sundays and Mondays because a few hours of normal. When God lays it upon your heart to pray for somebody, please do it. Because as I look back now and I see the things that were life or death for me, and then I get a chance now to look back and to see what was happening in Omaha and literally you know, everywhere, but the prayers are being answered in real time. People were stepping up to pray, and those prayers are being answered in real time. So please, the prayer life, the power of a righteous person availeth much. We often flippantly say, I'll pray for you, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we got to mean it. I had no idea what, what my life was going to look like, and every scenario went through my mind trying to resolve things that I didn't even know may or may not happen. But I do feel compelled to say, if you're a caretaker, remember that person that you're taking care of doesn't want to be in that place either. So as much as as much as I didn't I could find myself being a little bit I'm gonna say angry that for lack of a better term, just kind of frustrated and not wanting to to go through this. I had to stop myself, and, and God would, in his gentleness, remind me, Julie, John hasn't asked for this either. And it gave me good perspective not to be upset with him or angry with him because he didn't. He, he's not asking for it either. God, for whatever reason, has given us this journey to walk. And so he's going to have to give us the strength to do it. So in the morning when my eyes opened, I would lay in bed and I say, well, Lord, you woke me again. Apparently you have some plan for me. So I'm going to do my part and put one foot on the floor. And I'm going to trust you to carry me the rest of the day. And he did every single time. John, there's so much more about your story. We skipped over so many miracles here today, but they're in your book. You're making a remarkable recovery. You walked in here today. Now I can walk, and now I can do everything. I mean, I did our taxes. I was able to start going back to work, even on, you know, typing on a computer. And you keep thinking, wow, you know, praise God for all this stuff. But, you know, this still isn't fun. We're still dealing with ongoing, I mean, I have to work out a couple hours a day and yada, yada, yada. But you really have to just be living the day. You know, tomorrow has enough problems of its own. We've learned that. Some of the ways that we've been blessed through this have been incredible. But the thing we're trying to learn is it's not about us. You have to stop looking inward. It's one of the hardest things to do. But you have to start taking a look forward. Once again, John, along with his family, have written a book telling the story you've heard today in more detail. There's a lot we had to skip over for time, so reading the book can fill in the details of what we missed. It's an incredible story of God's healing grace. Look for the link to the book, Get Up and Walk, at firstpersoninterview.com. These first-person conversations are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's ministry extends into at least 50 countries of the world with broadcasts in the local language of the listener. We tell great stories of what God is accomplishing through FEBC in the podcast called Until All Have Heard. Each week, FEBC President Ed Cannon and myself bring you these stories. To listen, please visit febc.org or look for Until All Have Heard from your podcast provider. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. 
Join us next time for First Person.